Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane. And today in the fast lane with me is Dr. Regina Lark. And <laughs> I am, I'm really interested. I found her online and this is a woman of many talents. So she is an organizing and productivity specialist, which you are going to need to explain what that is because I don't think a lot of people know what that is. And she's also an author, but she's also been featured on A&E's television show Hoarders. She's been in the Wall Street Journal, the Los Angeles Times. Um, she's not just the author of one book. She has a few books. So she is one smart cookie in her field of expertise. So welcome into the fast lane today. Thank you, Sarah Jane. Now tell me, what is an organizing and productivity specialist? Well, we, uh, so I have this company here in Los Angeles. We've got 13 employees and we crawl all over LA um, when clients call us because they are just overwhelmed and fed up with the too much stuff in their place. I could, I could say a lot about why people have more than they may feel comfortable with. Uh, but nonetheless, they call us because they just don't know how to, they just don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to start getting themselves out of the mess. Or if they start, they don't know how to continue. And if they continue, they don't know where they should end. So most of the folks who call us are dealing with a chronic condition of, of being disorganized. These are the folks that when they were kids and their mom sent them to the room, go clean your room. And the kid gets into the room going, la, 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 la. I hate this. But, oh, I love my coloring books and my Barbies. And you know. <laughs> so it's always kind of been there. And one of the reasons why a lot of folks have clutter has everything to do with how their brains are wired. So a lot of people with clutter will say, oh, I'm so lazy. And I don't believe in lazy. I believe there's a lot of reasons why we don't want to activate on our projects and tasks. Maybe we don't have the skill set. Maybe we're not the right person for the job. Maybe we are really, really tired. Maybe we don't have enough nutrition in us. There's a lot of reasons why we don't activate, but we, send, we tend to just put this, oh, I'm lazy. But I, I don't agree with that. And I think that if we're dealing with ADHD, anxiety, depression, um, major, uh, major, um, trauma or a cancer diagnosis, major life transition, marriage, death, birth, divorce, COVID, cancer. All of these things tend to um, impact the part of our brain called the executive function that allows for linearity, processing, planning, um, sequencing, time management and emotional management. That executive function part of my brain gets Regina everywhere she needs to go on time, all the time, every time. I think of my executive function as a smart woman with a briefcase getting, getting me 
getting everything checked off. So when our executive functions are compromised because of a brain-based condition like ADHD or, or, or depression or anxiety, or it's compromised because we're in a world of hurt, because we just had a terrible breakup, because we are so sick and tired of being inside of COVID, that will also tweak your executive function. And as a result of that, you're not very emotionally managed. And you have usually a crappy relationship with time. And, and, uh, and because of those two things, the emotional mismanagement and lousy relationship with time, I think those are primarily why a lot of us are dealing with too much stuff and we don't know what to do with it. So if I have too much stuff in my home and I come to your house and you have too much stuff in your home, do I like that? Or am I overwhelmed by your stuff? Cause I can only handle my own. I don't know you. We just met. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. In general, like if I don't person- know. there is no, what I see mostly is, um, is terrible. I see someone coming from a very cluttered place and So what I see a lot of is this, somebody with a lot of clutter will go into the home of somebody who seems really, really neat. And then they just slide down this rabbit hole of feelings of shame, inadequacy, depression. They compare themselves. They compare their talents, skills, and abilities to somebody else. And I think For me, if I ever compare myself to somebody, that's like the worst thing I can do. It's the worst thing I can do because it means that I'm assuming they are just like me in every way. And it's usually not true. It's never true. So I'm on a mission to help people understand that the reason why there's a lot of clutter in their life, it's probably because of how they're wired and it has nothing to do with who they are and their magnificent selves and, and, their, and their funny selves and their intelligent selves. They just have a lot of clutter. So I, I, this is so interesting to me because in our household, I am more bothered by let's say a dirty toilet or a dirty floor than I am a stack of papers. A stack of papers almost sends my husband through the roof, but you know, it will just lightly pile up and we don't have, it's not everywhere, but that is like a point of, you know, uh, disagreement for us because he's real quick to throw away and I'm real quick to save. Mm -hmm. How about, I, so I also have some stuff from my great aunt and my grandma that I can't get rid of because they mean a lot to me and they remind me of my childhood. So Christmas decorations, for example, you know, some ceramic Christmas decorations. I have a wicker chair that used to be by the telephone and she used to rock in it. These are things I have kept. These are things my husband would like to burn or use for target practice. Now, when is the point of you keep it for sentimental value or holy cow, I need to let this stuff go. 
where, how do you flip that switch? Like certain things I'm not getting rid of, like he just needs to deal with it. But some things like some of their old clothes that I have that might smell like them, I'm never going to wear those clothes. So why are they taking up space in my closet? How can you disconnect the emotions from that kind of stuff? I don't know if you can, but I do know that your spouse ought not to have any opinion on your relationship to these things. I don't think that's his place. <laughs> oh, you, I you, like that. You are wired very differently. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't really believe he ought to have an opinion on it. <laughs> that said, I think it's okay to hold on to that which makes us remember the love. I think that's okay. And so if we're dealing with clutter, if we're dealing with a lot of stuff, what can we let go of? Mm -hmm. What doesn't evoke that kind of sentiment? Mm -hmm. Surely there are things that, I mean, I get it. I get that. Okay. So I have, um, uh, so my parents divorced when I was 15, long time ago. And every year I get a birthday card from each one. And I have cards, greeting cards that I've saved, but my stack of greeting cards is only about two inches thick. And at the very back of the stack are my parents' birthday cards from last year, are my parents' birthday cards. Each year on my birthday, I get the cards and I replace the ones in the back of the stack with the new ones mm. because I need for me a card from my mom that says, happy birthday, honey, I love you, mom, in her handwriting. So I've decided that that's enough of the cards that I get from her. I'll get cards all through the year, whatever, but all I need is one card with her handwriting and those sentiments. That's a principle that I've a- adopted for myself. I don't really believe in organizing rules, mm-hmm. but it was important to me. So I can, I can totally get having an artifact of clothing that, that smells like that person. Mm-hmm. My former mother-in-law, her name was Rose and she wore Rose perfume. And I cannot pass by that, that fragrance without going right to her. So I completely get that. So hold on to that and let go of something that does not evoke the, the emotion. If there are dozens, say, of artifacts that we have brought into our lives from a loved one, then come up with an understanding of what does it mean to have enough of those artifacts and just quantify it. I want five things from my grandma and I'm gonna choose these five because they really, I love the idea of ceramic um, tree ornaments. That's cool, it's unusual, mm-hmm. you know, they don't make them like that anymore. And they don't, so- and this, in fact, I mean, I'm people who listen to this will chuckle, but it is like a big, it's actually a ceramic tree that she painted. So, I mean, it's like, and then these carolers that she's painted. So, you know, it's hand 
handmade stuff. And I'm glad that you brought up the cards because when my grandma passed away and my mom was cleaning out her stuff, she had years and years and years of cards, years of them. So my mom sat and looked through them and I was thinking, why are you doing like all the birthday cards that I have given her for probably my whole life she had. And what I was thinking is, mom, when you pass away, I don't want to go through your old cards because we already have so much to do. So is that something too, that a person will grow into? Like they'll start saving stuff as they get older, just so they can look through it more. Do you, do you find that? I don't know. I, 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 I haven't seen that. Um, if we're wired to hold on, we're going to be wired to hold on unless and until something comes up in our lives where we can't do that anymore. I don't know what that is. Um, uh, I do know people who have, I have, I've done some reading where, um, people who have had strokes may come the, the result of how that impacted the executive function of the brain. Um, uh, a lot, there are, there are studies that show um, people who have had strokes may come out of the stroke exhibiting hoarding behavior. Mm. Um, but, but again, if, if you're wired toward being sentimental, which has everything to do with our ability to be emotionally managed. I mean, I look at public storage, you know, the ubiquity of public storage units, external storage. I call that the land of indecision, the <laughs> land of fear. Yeah. yeah. Afraid of letting go of that which we may need someday without recognizing that every single minute is someday. We are in a chronic state of someday and later. It's always someday and later. So if we're holding on to things that we think we may need someday, we just err on the side of, I'm gonna hold on to it someday because we have this feeling that if someday comes and we don't have this anymore, something terrible is gonna happen. We catastrophize the outcome of someday. So not only do we not know when we're gonna use it, we haven't given it a date. If I don't use this by December 31st, 2022, (laughs) out it goes. So not only do we not have an exit strategy, someday is not an exit strategy. So not only do we not have an exit strategy, but we also catastrophize the outcome of having let go. And I think that that is based on um, a lot of fear. We're afraid if we let it go and someday comes, something not good is going to happen. At the same time, we're also holding on to stuff from the past. And there's a fear of letting go of the past. Will my grandma feel that I don't love her? Is there a sense of disrespect? But we don't think, we never think this. We never think that the giver is asking us to hold on to it for the rest of our lives. We never think of an exit strategy for anything that comes through our front door. So, so much of our relationship with stuff is both nature and nurture. It's, it's not only how we were raised, but also how we're wired in our, in our prefrontal cortex. I don't know. I'm sorry. What was that? 
I don't know how, I don't know if it's how we're wired in what's called the prefrontal cortex, um, which where it's, that's where the executive function lives. The prefrontal cortex is, is known to be the newest part of our brain in human evolution. We heard of fight or flight. So fight or flight, you think of Lila the cave woman and she's standing there in front of her cave at the opening to the cave and she sees either a cool refreshing body of water and the amygdala or the limbic system or the lizard brain goes, it just immediately is attracted to that. It's like she can feel the water on her skin. It's exciting, it's enervating, it's all that. Or she sees a huge dinosaur and it's, it's the same thing. She's, she's scared, she's got a dash, the amygdala or the limbic or the lizard brain is like, get the hell out. As we evolved as humans, the amygdala is still in place toward the back of our skull, if you will. And what developed over time was our executive function. And it's linear, processing, sequencing, planning, time managed, emotional managed. If somebody were to sit down and start paying their bills because they're due tomorrow, but they decide, oh, I'm gonna see what's happening on Facebook. And then they go down the rabbit hole looking at kittens. Their, their, their executive function got hijacked by the amygdala. And now it's off to the races, screw the bills. You know? <laughs> and so a lot of people with this, with this chronic sense of clutter and disorganization tend to be late on bill paying, tend to be made fun of their whole lives for always being late, arriving late, never on time. And most people aren't curious enough about themselves to understand why that is. And I really wish they would because yeah. they wouldn't be so hard on themselves. So when you're at someone's house and you're going through the stuff and you're showing, you know, say, you know, is it trash? Is it keep? Do we donate? How that has to take a long time. Right. Yeah. How long does it take for people to like you, you hold something up and how long does it normally take for them to decide on a Sarah, on there's nothing normal in my world. <laughs> well, really well, well, then maybe you should just tell us the exciting parts. Well, I mean, they're on the clock. They're paying us by the hour. Okay. So the work goes as quickly or as slowly as they're able to make decisions. Okay. If we're working with clients that are dealing with big badass clutter, their, their pre-work is this, spend the week before the ninja organizers arrive and just be in the space. Just stand there looking at everything and begin the process of letting go. Begin to start detaching or begin the process of coming to understand what really is love and what can you really love of your things? I, had, I, I was in the home of a woman a couple of days ago and she had you know, four or five closets in the home filled with her clothes and shoes. It's fine, she has a big house, but she's moving into a much smaller space. She goes, but I love everything. I said, well, let's redefine love. Let's redefine what it means to love because clearly these artifacts aren't loving you back. 
So what, so again, so it's, it's a lot of conversation as we're doing the work. It's coming to understand, well, what does it mean to have enough? Let's see if we can quantify how many black pair of pants you need. I need eight. I've decided a long time ago when I was going through my own decluttering every time, you know, we move, how many pair of black pants does Regina need? Eight. So quantify how many Bed Bath & Beyond coupons do we need to have at any given time? I say two sure. because chances are good another one's going to come in the mail and chances are good that you probably don't need anything new for a while if you've got a big clutter problem. So whenever I see a lot of Bed Bath & Beyond coupons, I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> someone's intending shopping. <laughs> you know? I don't. That's, so do you get people who are crying when you're doing this? Do they get emotional when you're doing this? Sure. How could they not? It's, yeah. you know, it's emotion based on a combination of um, shame and relief. Um, embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. There's a I lot. think of... of how we had to clean out let's say my grandma's place and she had a lot of random stuff because she kept everything but she was also in the frame of mind of you never knew when you wouldn't have anything you know like she'd you know she'd lived in a different time than I I have lived in but I look at my mom's house and you can't just walk in and say you need to get, there's way too much stuff in here because that's sometimes what I would like to say, because in the back of my mind, I see me having to clean that out and think right, oh right, my right. Gosh, that's going to be so much work. So is there a way, because you're in Los Angeles, I'm in North Dakota. Most of the people who listen are in North Dakota. How can we talk to our family members about maybe trying this on their own? Well, do they think there's a problem? <laughs> I would say most. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what do you do if a spouse thinks that the other spouse has a problem, but the one spouse doesn't? Like how, you know, how I do send, you? I send them to therapy. I mean, again, I, I just published a book. It's called Emotional Labor, Why a Woman's Work is Never Done and What to Do About It. And there are sections, the what to do about it part is everything from you've got to have you've got to have real deep and meaningful conversations with the other adult in the household without criticism judgment or blame i don't understand why what passes for love in in a relationship is filled with blame and finger pointing. I had one client says, my husband keeps his area neat. And I said, why is 90% of the household your issue? I, I don't understand that. Sure. Um, so it really requires some good heartfelt conversation. It requires an understanding of what is acceptable amounts of clutter and what is unacceptable. It's how do you create equity in the household? Um, how, do you, how do you stop making fun of that person? I don't, 
-hmm. I don't understand those dynamics. I accept mm -hmm. that those dynamics happen mm -hmm. in households, but it doesn't make sense to me that that's who you want to live with. I just don't <laughs> understand that. And I have to, and my husband razzes me on some of the older stuff I have, but he doesn't have the sentimental attachment to stuff like I do. And I've told him that I said, and you don't understand that. But another question that I have for you is there are certain places I'm going to use myself as an example, because I don't know how other people operate. Like my bedroom, I like my bedroom, bed made, clothes put away, everything organized. It's like my haven. My laundry room is like a tornado and I will clean it. And then two days later, it is the same because it's like a catch-all. Do we sometimes pick a room and just, it's like, our it's just, that's where we dump things because we, I just can't, I can't go through the stack of papers. I'm just going to put it in the laundry room. Is that kind of just a scapegoat? Well, I don't, that's, that's kind of a pejorative. I don't know if it's a scapegoat, but it's what you do and it shouldn't be labeled or judged. It probably has to do with your relationship with time because you're putting it there because right that moment is not the time for you to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So you have discovered that there's a catch-all. You clear, you clear and organize the space, but your habits have continued. So it's not like it goes back to what it was. It just continues. Mm -hmm. So in order to maintain cleared space, one only has to change everything inside of them when it comes to habits, behaviors, and relationships to their stuff and their space and their partner, who sometimes is called the two-legged clutter clutter on two legs. So again, it's, 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 it's how you're wired. It's, it is, it is now habituated that that's the catch all place. Mm -hmm. So what I would suggest is to become curious that when you open the door to the laundry room and you throw something in, see if you can pause for a minute and take, do a check-in of, of your environment. Why did I do that now? Because I'm rushing off to do something else because I honestly don't know where else to put it. Just be curious about that. It's this idea of, um, I think, decluttering and understanding our relationship to stuff in our environment. Gosh, if we could just if we could become curious and be more mindful about what we're doing or what we're saying. Um, a lot of people will say, I decluttered and it came back. I say, it doesn't have legs. You put it back. Uh, I would no sooner walk into a room full of women and say, hey, you guys, because I don't see guys. So for me, I'm very, mindful of every word that comes out of my mouth. So if somebody were to say to me that they're lazy, I would say, well, let's look at that word. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel it's important to be curious and mindful, but we tend to do the band-aid. So we hold on to things we think we may need someday, but we don't know what someday has to look like. And we've catastrophized the outcome of someday if we don't have it. 
be mindful and curious. What, what is that really about? I think when we let go of something that is under $50,000, which is like anything we have usually, I encourage people to develop a level of trust in themselves that they'll always be able to take care of their needs. Hmm. My needs are always met because I'm flexible about the ways they can be met. If I let go of the rice cooker, I can cook rice in a pot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's being true to how I want to live. I'm, I want to live in a way that the only thing that lives with me has earned the right to live with me. It either uplifts and elevates me intellectually or it fills my heart aesthetically so it's lovely. It's what I want to have around me or it feeds my tummy, you know? So the things that get to come through, the things that are allowed to come through my front door, they feed me in one of three ways. It's either shampoo, right? <laughs> either stuff that I need for my activities of daily living, or it's a, it's a great book that I'm using for my next book project, or it's the, it's the rainbow peace flags that my sister had draped on a shrub when I was walking onto the campsite at the 2009 Michigan Women's Festival. That has earned the right to live with me and be visually displayed because it has so much meaning I could cry. Mm -hmm. That was such a special thing for her to do at this event. So in order to live with me, it has to, because it's not paying real estate. Mm -hmm. It's not paying my rent or my mortgage. Mm -hmm. So what gives it the right to hang around? That's interesting. I like it. And in, in, in respect to your time, I want to touch on your books that people could uh, buy and hope they could maybe make some changes in their own lives. Mm. So tell us about your books. So uh, one book is in its third edition and it's called Psychic Debris, Crowded Closets, the relationship between the stuff in your head and what's under your bed. And a lot of it is what I've been talking with you about these last Mm -hmm. 30 minutes and it's on audible and you can get them on Amazon and we'll have links to all your stuff. Nice. And then the other one that I'm so excited about that I just uh, published in October is called emotional labor. Why a woman's work is never done and what to do about it. And it's fun, it's accessible, it is, um, it is thoughtful, it's historical. I bring in the historical underpinnings for why we call the work of the household women's work. I mean, I had a light bulb moment a few weeks ago. If you were to say men's work, it's everything from a carpet layer to an attorney. If you say women's work, all about the household all about the household when you say men's work you're talking about the public sphere when you say women's work you're talking about the private sphere the sphere of the sphere of the home but i would contend that the only time 
you need a woman to do the work is breastfeeding and giving birth. Other than that, you do not need a vagina to do the work of the household. And yet it's still called women's work when it's just work. That's very true. <laughs> just like when people say babysitting and it's their own kids. Uh, you're not babysitting, you're parenting. You're parenting. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So what do you have to say? Uh, any last words for people out there who know they have too much stuff and know they have too much clutter? What would you say directly to them? Figure out, the, figure out how you want to live and figure out what kind of help you need to get you there. Thank you so much for jumping into the fast lane today. This was a very fun discussion. Yeah, for me too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.